0: happy wednesday to you all hope you all are doing great out there in cougar nation plenty to get to ahead on this episode of the locked on cougars podcast we continue our look back at byu football history with the 100 seasons of byu football countdown today we look at the year 2000 yes the final year of lavelle edward's storied tenure we'll examine that we'll also wrap up our position previews ahead of fall camp beginning tomorrow Crazy enough, it is here, folks. We're just over a month away and looking forward to covering it all. Today, we'll talk about the rover position on defense, as well as the punter unit for BYU on special teams, and should be a lot of fun to talk about that. Today's podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at the Locked On College Football Channel, in particular, the five Power Five conference shows they have. If you have an interest in the ACC, SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, or even the Pac-12, we have a daily podcast that covers that conference for you. Download it wherever you get your podcasts, just like this one. All right, without further ado, let's get going here on a hump day. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for August 4th, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you again for taking some time to join us on your daily podcast focused on all things BYU. And might I say, welcome back to hundreds of you. And I mean this sincerely, hundreds of you have tuned back into the show this week. It's marvelous to see and not all that surprising. Fall camp about to begin. I'm sure you guys are checking in from your summer vacations and all that. And a big thank you all the same for your support of the podcast, as always. It's an absolute privilege and an honor that you guys spend up to 30 minutes with me every day on this podcast, but it's my goal to make you guys the smartest BYU fans out there, keep you apprised of everything going on in Cougar sports. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your guys' support of the podcast. Getting going here on a Wednesday, we're going to begin with the 100 Seasons of BYU Football Countdown. For those of you just checking back in, maybe from a long break over the summer or checking in for the very first time, what we have been doing is we've been looking back to the BYU football history books, the annals of BYU history, if you will, talking about all 100 seasons the BYU has played to this point. Yes, they have played 100 seasons of football, using it as a countdown to get us ready for the upcoming season. Well, today we talk about the year 2000. Many of you will know this, some of you may not. The year 2000 was the final year of Lavelle Edwards' tenure as head coach of the BYU football program. Shocked a lot of folks when he announced in fall camp of that year that 2000 was going to be the final year he'd be the head coach of the Cougars. 29 years at the helm of the BYU football program and the new dawn of a new century, a new millennium. And Lavelle Edwards decided, you know what, now's the time to step aside. And obviously, this gave his team a chance to celebrate him throughout the final year of his tenure, and obviously, BYU fans, by extension, were able to celebrate that, and even his opponents in many ways. There are a number of coaches who honored him throughout this season, but... It was a bumpy season. We all know this. If you know anything about the 2000 season, it started with uh, a really cool game, though. BYU traveled to Jacksonville, Florida to Altel Stadium to take on number 2-ranked Florida State. It was the pigskin classic on ABC. Huge game, August 26, 2000. But BYU, not very competitive in this game. The Seminoles took this game 29-3. to And this season, folks, just kind of a, at the outset of this discussion was a very bumpy season, and I remember it vividly because similar to other seasons in the late 1990s as well as the early 2000s, I attended the vast majority of these games, especially the home games. I did not travel with the team, let's be clear about that, but home games, I was by and large in Cougar Stadium watching the Cougars in action. The following week, BYU went back east once again to Charlottesville, Virginia. By the way, this season for 2000, I don't know who put the schedule together. I don't remember who the AD was at that time. The agreements to travel back east multiple times during the year was, frankly, asinine. But nonetheless, BYU goes to Virginia, fell behind huge in this game, but Brett Engemann rallies the troops, and they rally at Scott Stadium there in Charlottesville for a 38-35 overtime victory. One of the craziest games I remember watching, I watched it on ABC, it was an ABC game on September 2nd, so that even BYU's record at 1-1, one and one, but the road-weary Cougars were not done yet. The following week, they did not travel as far east, but they still had to cross the front range of the Colorado Rockies to go take on the Air Force Falcons in Colorado Springs, were beaten 31-23, to 23, dropping them to 1-2, and two. and then the following week, finally, September 14th, after three straight games on the road, the Cougars finally are back home at Cougar Stadium, hosting Mississippi State out of the SEC. The first time, if I'm not mistaken, that a Southeastern Conference team had ever traveled to BYU into Provo. Mississippi State came in and absolutely trounced the Cougars at 44-28. So suddenly, very much this season that's supposed to send Lavelle out on top is looking very rocky. 1-3 and three to start the year. The Cougars had a bye week after that Thursday night matchup against Mississippi State before hosting UNLV at Cougar Stadium. They squeaked out a 10-7 win to get themselves to 2-3. The following week... Their third trip to the Eastern time zone in this season, they went to the Carrier Dome in Syracuse, New York, to take on the Syracuse Orange men at the time, now just the Syracuse Orange, and they were absolutely blasted, 42 to 14. And just like that, the Cougars are staring at two and four. And I remember at this point of the season, it probably was happening earlier than this, but this is when me as a young man in 2000, I would have been about 13 years old, I remember thinking, Are the Cougars going to send out Lavelle Edwards with only his second losing season in in his tenure at BYU? It hadn't happened since 1973. But nonetheless, the Cougars got things going a little bit. October 6th, they opened, they opened the month of October with a game against Utah State. Won that game 38-14. Then were beaten narrowly by San Diego State two weeks later after another bye week. Uh, losing, to this, losing to the Aztecs, not the Sun Devils. The Aztecs 16-15. to I don't know where Arizona State came from. Maybe the state, you know, whatever. Then they followed that up a week later. But just not even a week later, just a few days later. They took on Wyoming. Won that game 19-7. So, as October concludes, BYU on the season is sitting at 4 and 4 and obviously, excuse me, not 4 and 4, 4 and 5, excuse me, and there are huge question marks as they enter November wondering, okay, are the Cougars ultimately going to be bowl eligible? Will they avoid a losing record, like I said, just for the second time in Lavell Edwards' tenure? Well, they open November at Colorado State were absolutely crushed by the nationally ranked Rams. Sonny Lubick had his team rolling at this time. The Rams finished the year 10-2, winning the, winning the Mountain West Conference, and they beat BYU in Fort Collins 45 to 21. And this is when the Cougars are very much up against it. Four-and-six. You lose one more game. You have that losing record, and I know that I work with Hans Olsen. He has talked multiple times about how this team did not, absolutely did not want to send Lavelle out with a losing record. Well, the Cougars uh, came home on November 18th after yet another bye week to Cougar Stadium for their home finale in Provo at Cougar Stadium. I was in the stands that night as, La- as Lavelle Edwards Stadium would get its name. Yes, this is the night, November 18th, against New Mexico at Cougar Stadium. Lavelle Edwards was on the field as then LDS Church President, the Ch- President of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Gordon B. Hinckley, stepped to the mic and announced after a meeting of the Board of Trustees as well as the Executive Committee over at Brigham Young University determined to call the stadium what was Cougar Stadium for many, many years since its opening in 1962. It would, from then on, be known as Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Then a banner dropped from the press box. It had a banner that said Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Now it's emblazoned with letters on both the inside and the outside of the building. And Lavelle, Ever the humble servant that he was, you could tell he was absolutely overcome with emotion at the thought that he would have a stadium, a field named after him. One of the coldest games I remember ever attending in my life at BYU was that night against New Mexico. It was absolutely frigid. Any of you who were in attendance at that game probably can commiserate with me. It was cold. But the cool thing was, was seeing BYU rally to the cause obviously we found out later that uh president Hinckley had walked into the locker room and said hey guys this is Lavelle at Lavelle's last home game don't muff it they did not muff it they rallied to win 37 to 13 now sitting at five and six as they traveled a week later to the University of Utah and Rice Eccles Stadium on November 24th with a chance to get to six and six and yet again avoid that losing record for Lavelle this game was absolutely bonkers any of you who have watched this game in youtube highlight form you saw it in person you watched it on tv like i did it was on espn it was a cold game but this season was a season that would set up what would become the 2001 season that we'll talk about tomorrow and big reason for it was the heroics of a lightly known recruited option quarterback who had come to BYU by the name of Brandon Doman, had tried out at safety at times during his career at BYU, but always wanted to be a quarterback for Lavelle Edwards. Well, he got his opportunity against New Mexico and Utah, and the Utah game showed the grit, the tenacity, just the overall self-belief. Of Brandon Doman is he kept the Cougars in this game and ultimately won the game to send Lavelle out on top with a 34 to 27 victory over their arch rival Utah and get to that six and six record. Now six and six was a record that you don't necessarily celebrate, but the way it came about is BYU rallied for that victory against Utah. Brandon Doman with that four yard run to really just uh, seal it up, give BYU that victory. Wow, what a game. What a game. Soren Halliday also hauled in a two-point conversion to give BYU the seven-point lead they wouldn't relinquish late in that game. But man, this season... I remember 2000 better than most seasons, and considering it was a 6-6 six and six season overall, you're probably sitting there wondering, why do you remember it so vividly, Jake? It's just because of what it meant. Lavelle was going out. He had been the head coach for nearly three decades of the BYU football program, truly was the patriarch of this uh, football program. There had been winning seasons here and there in the history before it, but Lavelle brought a standard, an, a standard of excellence, if I might to the BYU football program that, honestly, the Cougar teams who have followed from 2001 on up through this modern day in 2021, they've tried to live up to that standard of excellence. At times, they have failed and failed spectacularly, as we will find out in just a couple of years. Later this week, we'll talk about one of those seasons, 2002. But nonetheless, Lavelle left an enduring legacy that, man... You can do great things at a program that was essentially the bottom barrel type program before he arrived. He had a belief in the system he established, the culture he established, the players he recruited. Many people out there know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you're too young to really remember the Lavelle Edwards era, I would tell you go and find as many highlights as you can on social media, on YouTube, look up interviews with Lavelle if anybody has them on video, watch those. Get a better sense of who this man was because he was an absolute legend and may God rest his soul. An absolutely stellar, stellar career for Lavelle Edwards ending with 257 wins. I believe it's now sixth most all time in college football history. Absolutely nuts what Lavelle did and to send him out the way that the Cougars did, yeah, you would have liked to have had a better season, but... Really, really thrilling fashion to beat Utah in the in the fashion that they did, and obviously, like I mentioned, it set the stage for 2001, as we will talk about on tomorrow's show. I know we're way over time here on this first bit, but a couple of notes for you guys: is BYU played three different quarterbacks during this season. As I mentioned, Brett Engemann engineered that comeback against Virginia before getting injured. He had 883 yards. At Fourteen. Uh, excuse me. Three touchdowns against six interceptions Charlie Peterson led the Cougars in passing with 1,630 yards he had six touchdowns against five interceptions and Brennan Doman, who was the quarterback late in the year, 782 yards, two touchdowns against four interceptions, so BYU is a passing offense, not too bad, 3,295 yards, the 15 interceptions against 11 touchdowns You don't like that so much. But Luke Staley and Brian McDonald were a nice one-two tandem in the rushing game. Seven touchdowns for Staley, eight for Brian McDonald. Staley leading the Cougars with a 479 yards rushing. McDonald second with 455. Brandon Doman, 129 yards and three touchdowns. One of those three, none bigger than that touchdown run he had late against Utah to lead BYU to that victory over the Utes. A couple of other notes for you guys is Justin Enna was BYU's leading uh, tackler on the season with 107 total tackles. Satema Noli led the Cougars with seven sacks. Tyson Smith, four interceptions on the year. And Margin Hooks, leading receiver for this team, 718 yards and two touchdowns. Jonathan Pittman just behind him, 691 yards and five touchdowns. Obviously, both of them were absolute nails during this campaign as they send Lavelle out a winner and send him off into retirement. And Lavelle, I had a chance to get to know him in his later years. as He did some radio with the Zone Sports Network, and I will forever cherish the opportunities I got to speak with him, no matter how brief they may have been. So there you go. Some thoughts on the year 2000, the overall career of Lavelle Edwards. It won't be matched, honestly, and I would hope that somebody could approach what Lavelle did at BYU, and maybe Kalani Sitake will be that, because Kalani played on this team. He was actually BYU's, I believe, fifth leading rusher on the season, 191 yards for the Cougars, but I don't know that it will ever get back to the heights that Lavelle achieved in the sport that he loved dearly. He absolutely loved football. He thought it did great things for young men, and I would have a hard time disagreeing with them, but... Nonetheless, one of those seasons that you'll forever remember, despite the overall lackluster record at 6-6, six and six, just the way the Cougars sent Lavelle out, pretty thrilling fashion, and man, what a legend, speaking of the late Lavelle Edwards. All right. I'm going to move on now, but we'll talk about 2001, the dawn of a new era under Gary Croton that got off to a very quick start. We'll talk about 2001 in the 100 seasons of BYU football countdown tomorrow. But Here momentarily, we wrap up our position previews. We're talking about the rover position for BYU. What is it? What does it do on BYU's defense? We'll examine all of that in just a moment. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by our good friends over at Bet Online. They are the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. And when they mean all of your sports action, they mean it. Whether you have an interest in cricket, the Olympics, UFC, MMA, golf, football, basketball, baseball, no matter what it is, they have the odds for you guys and the ways that you guys can get out there and literally get into the game by putting up money on your respective sports. If you think you have the inside edge, we'll prove it and do it with our friends at BetOnline. Head to the website, betonline.ag, and sign up for free, and also take advantage of a 50% welcome bonus that's available to all of our listeners. All you gotta do is when you get to BetOnline is use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 50% of whatever you deposit the first time added as a free bonus to your account. Free money, and it's all courtesy of your friends at BetOnline, as they are your online sportsbook experts. Well, this is it, folks. We have made it to the end of our position previews ahead of BYU fall camp, or what I like to call training camp, opening tomorrow. Players will be officially reporting today, getting their gear, setting up their lockers, all that fun stuff. Tomorrow will be the first day on the field for the BYU football program. The media, which I, of which I am a part, will be able to watch part of practice tomorrow. Also, do interviews afterwards, so stay tuned for Friday's edition of the show. We will make sure we have all the sound for you guys, the highlights. Whatever we take away from practice, whatever I take away from practice, we'll have it all for you guys here. Tomorrow's edition of the show, just a little bit of a tease ahead, is going to be what I'm calling my fall camp primer biggest questions that need to be answered in fall camp, players I think that will stand out, all that stuff. We'll cover that all ahead on tomorrow's show. But we need to finish off our position previews. We've been doing this for the better part of three weeks, looking at every position group on BYU's depth chart they revealed at BYU Football Media Day. We have two positions left. We're going to talk about the rover position now on BYU's defense. It is another linebacker-slash-defensive line-slash-even-a-safety type of a role. It's another hybrid position position for BYU's defense and I actually really like what the lineup is for this position group in particular because I think it has all the talent out there to be one that can make a major impact for the Cougars and it's led by a guy that I really think is going to have a breakout campaign in 2021 because he really burst onto the scene in 2020 and that is the one the only Max Thule. Now Max Thule, a year ago, may have been BYU's best option for rushing the passer late in the year, despite standing, what was he, 6'3", 200 pounds. He looked completely overmatched at the line of scrimmage, but he got by with his speed, his knowledge, just his overall tenacity. I really like his skill set. Uh, they list him at 6'2", two, 215 pounds, as a redshirt sophomore. I expect that Max Tooley will be on the field a lot this fall for BYU, and for a good reason, considering currently his backup, who is listed on the depth chart, announced yesterday on social media that he is going to be out for the season due to an Achilles injury, and that is Tavita Gagne, a redshirt freshman, 6'2", 196 pounds. Gagne was a walk-on to the BYU football program and made quite an impression in practice on the scout team, all that stuff. Well, he is out. So that is going to elevate the third string linebackers who are behind Max Thule at this position. And they are going to have Jackson Kafusi and or Isaac Matua at the spot. We already talked about Jackson Kafusi as a guy playing that Mike linebacker spot. Well, this is another spot he'll find himself getting an opportunity to contribute. 6'2", two, 226 pounds, so he's a bigger body playing this position, but I really do like Jackson Kafusi's game. It's not necessarily suited to a traditional linebacker mold. I think a hybrid spot for a guy like Jackson Kafusi would fit him well. The other option here, as I mentioned, is Isaac Matua. He is a product of the Utah High School ranks himself, 6'3", 222 pounds, coming in off of a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and Matua very interesting talent, considering he played a number of positions in high school on both offense and defense, and absolutely got after it at the high school level. Will that trans- translate to the collegiate level? Well, only time will tell. But the good news is, for the rover position, especially in the case of BYU, is your number one is one of the best, I'd say, four linebackers on this team. He probably has an argument to be top three, and that's Max Tooley. I really, really like Max Tooley's game. He's a hard-nosed player. He was trained well in high school out there at Bountiful High School and has brought that to BYU. And I'm expecting him, as I mentioned, to take a starring role this fall for BYU at that rover position. Will I be right or will I be wrong? Well, that's for you to decide. And obviously, we'll continue to track all of this throughout fall camp as we talk with players and coaches, get you those exclusive interviews, have our practice insiders, which, by the way, You will not find anywhere else the intel we have here on this podcast, and I mean that. I have people who do not talk to anybody about BYU who talk to me and tell me what's going on with the Cougars. So if you want the inside scoop, you really want the inside look at what BYU's doing on the field, when the media is not there for the 10 minutes we seemingly get to watch, you want the entire practice, all the notes, stay right here with Locked On Cougars because we'll have it for you guys all year long. Coming up in just a moment, though, we'll wrap up our position previews officially with some notes on the punter position as well as some other specialty positions, the specialist unit for BYU. We'll get to that, and also some news and notes involving BYU athletics we haven't touched on quite yet this week. We'll get to all of that in mere moments. Today's podcast has been brought to you in part by our good friends over at Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein bar ever. You will not believe how good these protein bars are, and also how good they are for you. It seems like it's a trade off, there, folks. If you want something that tastes good, it's bad for you. You also want something that's good for you? Well, it doesn't taste so good. That's where Built Bar comes in. They're delicious. And they're also healthy for you guys. That's what I love about Built Bars. They're healthy. They have 17 grams of protein in most of their flavors they have, have available to you guys with just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. That's what I love about it. They're perfect for the keto diet if you're looking to do that. They have nine unique flavors that are available anytime. What they call their base flavors. But they every so often have what they call limited time runs. If you don't take advantage of the opportunity when those limited time flavors come out, well, you missed out and you have to wait for the next time they come, but you don't know when that's ultimately going to be. Get to Built.com to learn more about Built Bars. While you're there, use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your next order. You heard that right. LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order at Built.com. Get and join the best tasting protein bars and do it with Built Bar. One more time out on today's show to remind you guys that today's podcast has been brought to you in part by our good friends over at First Colony Mortgage. BYU fans, you're probably very familiar with a certain championship team that came out of Provo in the 1984 season. We all know that the trophy is in Provo, but there's another championship team that got its start in Utah County that very same year, and that is First Colony Mortgage. First Colony Mortgage is a full-service mortgage lender, so that means that from beginning to end, everything is taken care of by the First Colony team. Zach Hicken is our loan officer at First Colony Mortgage for the Locked On Cougars podcast. Any financing you need for your home, Zach will take care of you. Whether you're looking to get into a new home, capitalize on your home's equity with a cash out refinance, or just want to take advantage of low rates that are still available, Zach will be there to walk you through every step of the loan process and help you out along the way. Any questions you got, he can answer them. Reach out to Zach directly by calling him 801-380-0752. Once again, 801-380-0752, or go to his website, HickenHomeLoans.com. That's H-I-C-K-E-N. That's how you spell Hicken. HickenHomeLoans.com. Zach would love to help you guys out. He's a dear, dear friend of mine, and I know that you will be given a first-rate experience with First Colony Mortgage. That's Zach Hicken, NMLS 205-2216. First Colony Mortgage, NMLS 3112. First Colony Mortgage is an equal housing lender. Of course, they also are a proud partner with us here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. Before we wrap up here on a Wednesday edition of the podcast, as promised, let's talk about the punter position for BYU here momentarily. BYU is very set at the specialist position. We already talked previously talked about the place kicking. Jake Oldroyd is going to be the guy at kicker. Well, at punter, BYU is set once again. Ryan Rico set to reprise his role. Funny enough, He's going to be a true freshman once again this year. Six foot five, two 236 pounds. When you meet Ryan, you think, okay, why in the world do you not play in another position? But he is absolutely lights out in the punt game. And I expect that he will take the majority, if not all of the snaps that BYU needs him to from the punting position. As any punter will tell you, they would love nothing more than to sit on the sidelines and just watch the game all day long because that means the offense is absolutely humming up and down the field. They would rather stay on the sidelines because they know their team is probably going to win, but nonetheless, when called upon, Ryan Rico absolutely has the ability to flip the field. Cash Peterman, who is also the backup kicker, will be his backup at punter. Peterman, very adept at both kicking and punting. Uh, Six foot, 180 pounds, so obviously not as big as Ryan Rico, but Peterman very much capable of filling in should the need arise. A couple other notes for you guys on the specialist front here on the depth chart. BYU will have two different uh, long snappers will be battling for time this fall camp. Britton Hogan, who was the guy for most of the year last year, he will be a redshirt sophomore this year, and freshman Austin Riggs will be battling him. They actually have them listed Long snapper for place kick has Britton Hogan listed first. And then long snap for punter has Austin Riggs. You know what? You know what? They have oars next to both of their names. I think this will be a battle that goes on during fall camp that probably will get overlooked. But nonetheless, something to keep note of with regards to the long snapper. They toil in anonymity, similar to offensive linemen. You only know their name, seemingly, when they screw up. So there you go. We have now finished all of the names on BYU's post-spring depth chart they revealed at BYU Football Media Day. All 18 defensive positions, we covered them all. So if you guys have missed any of them, go back to the other podcast and you can read up all about that. And a couple of the notes before we go on today's show is congratulations to former BYU men's golf standout Rhett Rasmussen. He will be playing in this week's Corn Ferry Tour Utah Championship. He qualified on Monday with a 64 at Saratoga Springs Tellen's Cove Golf Course. Really, really had a fantastic showing and had to sweat it out because he was part of the early flight. You kind of have to wait and see how scores pan out. 64 was a number that got him into the field. Uh, former BYU golfers Patrick Fishburn as well as Daniel Summerhays already had exemptions or were already slated into the field for this tournament. So three former Cougars competing up there at Oak Ridge Country Club. Looking forward to seeing all three of them hopefully have great weeks. And a guy like Rhett Rasmussen, he has missed a number of other cuts on the Corn Ferry tour, trying to get his pro career off the ground. This would be a great place for him to have a great showing and hopefully earn more opportunities down the road. And then finally, congratulations to BYU's Built for Life program. They have signed a deal with Utah County software company Gig. They've entered into a one-year sponsorship with BYU's Athletics Built for Life program. It's $250,000 as the marquee sponsor of the Built for Life program. Really, really cool. And obviously, they're big BYU fans. Uh, the Gig and BYU Athletics senior leadership teams met earlier in the week. Scott Warner, some of you probably know him from social media. Huge Dodger fan, but even bigger BYU fan he signed the deal here. it to be really cool to see the Gig team supporting Built for Life and BYU Athletics. And 250 k in scratch is nothing to turn your nose up at. So congratulations once again to Gig. Congratulations to BYU Athletics and obviously the Built for Life program as it continues to add more and more money to its pot. All right, that is going to do it for this Wednesday edition of the show. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at LockedOnCougars. My personal Twitter feed, if you'd like to weigh in there, is Jacob C. Hatch. And as always, you can email the show with any comments, concerns, advertising inquiries. It's all available to you by emailing us, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. Com. That'll do it. Have a great day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for August 4th, 2021. And we will talk to you guys tomorrow.